to our latest post-game instant recap pod here on the Land Grant Holy Land Podcasting Network. My name is Matt Tamanini, and this time I'm not joined by Gene Ross. I'm joined by the one and only Land Grant Holy Land basketball expert, Connor Lamans. Connor, I have said for the last two days to Gene, what the f*** just happened? And I feel like, yet again, that is incredibly accurate. Yeah, I don't know what the f*** just happened. I'm sure that'll get bleeped out, too. We'll get the double bleep there. But, um... <laughs> We've seen the Ohio State basketball experience for several months now, and it's just been it's been great to be able to share this with you know the rest of the country the last few days of <laughs> you know how people in Ohio die um, much sooner than average American. This is why right here is why, and I don't know if we have any specific answer for what's going on right now. Yeah, what happened? Uh, what we are talking about? We are coming to you just minutes after the Ohio State Buckeyes defeated the number one seeded Michigan Wolverines in the semifinals of the Big Ten men's basketball tournament by a score of 68-67. to 67. Unfortunately, uh, the Titus and Tate 1-69 to 69 rule did not apply here because neither team got there. The game was played in a little bit of an interesting situation. Both Ohio State and the team up north were without two of their biggest contributors as Ohio State's Kyle Young was out after he suffered um, a second head injury in just a few weeks after being inadvertently elbowed in the second half of the Purdue game. He did not play. Um, uh, the Wolverines' second leading scorer, Isaiah Livers, was out due to a foot fracture of some sort. He is out indefinitely. So both teams were playing without some of their key contributors, Connor. And in the first half, um, it kind of showed. In the first matchup between these two teams, they shot incredibly well, both shooting above 50% from the floor. However, in the first half of, of Saturday's game, Ohio State was 10 for 33 for 30%. Uh, in the first half, while um, the Fighting Ferrets of Michigan were 8 for 27 for 29.6%. What did you see in that first half that might explain why neither team was able to get into a rhythm on the offensive end? Yeah, I think that the Buckeyes did a great job on Dickinson. Um, last game, the last time they played Michigan, he really had their way with them. He got whatever he wanted. Um, and I think in the first half today and the second half as well, it was a combination of you know, Ohio State really locking down on Dickinson and Michigan missing their open three-pointers and not having livers there. It was part of that for sure. Um, and I also would flip it and put part of it on Michigan for not going to Dickinson enough um, in the first half because really Ohio State without Kyle Young doesn't have the manpower to guard him. And there were a lot of possessions, um, including that last one of the game, where you know I would just yeah. be going to Dickinson over and over if I was them, but they weren't. Yeah, we will get to that last play of the game. But in the first half, the uh, the score going into the locker room was um, Michigan 27, Ohio State 26. Nobody on either side was in double digits. The leading score for Ohio State with Justice Suing, who had actually a really good first half and um, really, again, continues to be a really solid player um, for Ohio State, despite the fact that he didn't uh, do much in terms of points in the second half. Um, Franz Wagner was the leading scorer in uh, the first half um, for the fighting Hugh Jackmans. But they um, the second half really was a completely different game because Ohio State came out with their hair on fire. And what was great about that was the two best players, their two leading scorers, Dwayne Washington Jr. and EJ Liddell, really put this team on their back, especially Dwayne. Dwayne went for 19 points after halftime on 7 of 11 shooting, 
going four for seven from three-point range. Liddell had 13 points, but it was on three of seven shooting. He did have two uh, three-pointers uh, on two attempts, but uh, he got five points from the line on five for five shooting from the charity stripe. What was different after that? Was it just Chris Holtman uh, really riling folks up during his halftime speech, or was there something noticeably different from their offensive sets, from their scheme, from their energy? What was it that changed when they came out of the locker room, Connor? Yeah, I'm really not sure, but the two guys um, that you mentioned there, Washington and Liddell, the two leading scorers of this team, the two guys that they look for, um, you know, when they're stuck in a rut, which, you know, they get stuck in a lot of three to five minute ruts like that, um, were just mm-hmm. way more effective in the second half. Liddell did a good job getting inside and drawing a few fouls. The Buckeyes, um, they went to the free throw line four times in the first half and they missed all of them. Which is very uncharacteristic of this team. Like they're, they're a exactly. really good free throw shooting team. And in the second half, they went um, 8 of 10 at the free throw line. So they did a better job getting into the paint and drawing fouls, especially Liddell. Um, and Washington, there's just something about playing the University of Michigan that just you know gets this kid going. Um, yeah, he had 30 in their first matchup. He had 24 in, in Saturday's matchup. So he's got 54 against one of the best teams in the country so far this season. Yeah, I looked it up before the game, and he averaged uh, – 18 per game against them, including a five point game his freshman year. So then he throws a 24 on their day. And I don't know if it's like not being offered by Michigan and being from Michigan or if it's just coincidence, but he plays very well against Michigan every time. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to do the Ohio State experience portion of the podcast because Ohio State was great on offense for most of the second half. They got their first double digit lead of the game um, with 906 remaining in regulation. They held on to that. Michigan went on a little bit of a run, and then Ohio State retook um, an 11-point lead with 517. They still had a uh, a 10-point lead with 340 remaining, and then again went up 11 with 318 left in regulation. From there, Michigan outscored Ohio State 11-1, to and that one was a justice-suing free throw. And that was the difference in the game, because like you said earlier, they had a really inconceivable final possession. Michigan got the ball with 28.7 seconds left in the contest. And Mike Smith, who had 10 points on the game, but did it on one of 11 shooting, was the only person to touch the ball on the entire possession. It was great defense. EJ Liddell really kind of uh, made it impossible to get an entry pass into Dickinson. And Smith took a uh, a step back. It was a two-pointer, but it was just inside the line. Um, that kind of just clanked out and no had no chance of going in. And Ohio State walks away. I was shocked that Dickinson didn't get the ball, that Brooks didn't get the ball. Um, I mean, Smith, like I said, he had uh, 10 points, but he was 7 of 8 from the line. He wasn't somebody who was involved in the offense despite being on the floor for most of the game. It just seemed weird that he was the only guy to touch the ball in that entire possession, Connor. Yeah, I think it was flipped, and if Ohio State would have made that you know same offensive play at the end of the game, you know we would be questioning it too. It's just um, that didn't make much sense to me. Dickinson, I was looking back at the at the box score, and even though I feel like they did a better job against him today, I think he still had twenty four points, which is 21. crazy. It seems like yeah, twenty one. He was nine of fourteen from the floor um, for twenty one points and eight rebounds. Right. And he had, you know, he's very good at the free throw line for a big guy too. So I thought it was a no brainer. I was telling my friend here that if we didn't score on that last possession, which um, Walker did not, 
Um, they're just going to get it to Dickinson. He's either going to get fouled or he's going to score, and this game's going to be over because I can't recall the last time that an Ohio State game has come down to the final play that it actually went their way. <laughs> so I was just assuming that it would not go their way there on that last play, and I was sure that Dickinson would be the one to either make or break things, and they didn't even give him the ball. No, it was it was very <coughs> excuse me. No, it was it was very strange. I mean, I'm I'm happy. This was kind of like the reverse. Um, uh, Evan Turner shot to win the game against Michigan a, a decade or so ago. Um, but what was so strange about this was is that I mentioned the fact that EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington Jr. really carried the banner for Ohio State in the second half. But really, it was EJ Liddell making some boneheaded plays down the stretch that really put Ohio State in a position to lose this game. With 250 um, left in regulation, Liddell has what is effectively a fast break, wide open opportunity at the bucket. And he decides to go for the exclamation point and throw down a hammer slam dunk. The only problem was um, it didn't go in. Um, that if he would have connected on that, it would have put them up 12. However, it clashed away and Michigan uh, turned it into points on the other end of the floor. Then after that blown dunk, the team up north went on a 6-1 to one run and it turned into an opportunity for them to really close the game. Then Liddell, for some reason, had the ball on the backcourt looking to break a semi-press, and the seven-foot-one monster of a man, Dickinson, steals the ball from him and lays it in. And then in the subsequent possession, EJ dribbles it off his own knee to give the ball back to to the Weasels. At that point, Ohio State was up 68 to 64. And Connor, I was like, what I don't understand how EJ Liddell could have three plays that went so poorly after playing so well for like 18 minutes of the half. Sum up for me what that like minute and a half stretch for him um, was like and what exactly went wrong. Was he pushing too hard? Was he trying to step up and it just didn't work? It just seemed like nothing could go right for him for like a minute and a half of game time. Yeah, I think that you can kind of flush the dunk as just an oddball thing. Like I don't think I've ever seen him miss a dunk and you don't really see college players miss dunks at all. So you can kind of flush the dunk as just an oddball thing, but it's not crazy to assume that maybe the two turnovers were him pressing after missing the dunk, like him trying to do a little too much and try to make sure he makes the big play. Like there's really not much of a reason for him to be bringing the ball up. Like you said, in like a half court press like that. Um, So he could have been pressing a little too hard after missing the dunk and then, you know, just overdid it and a couple turnovers there, which it seems like every time that the Buckeyes semi collapse like this or full out collapse, it's, it's somebody else. It's something else going on. And today it was, you know, EJ had a tough last two minutes. So we've seen this happen this entire season, like you mentioned at the top. What do you think it is? I mean, is it something mental with this team? Is it the way they're constructed when it gets down to pressure situations? They don't have the right role players to do the things to hold on to a lead like if they can build a a double digit lead in the second half you think they should be able to hold on to it but they have proven time and time again that they just can't what is it about this Chris Holtman squad that puts them in situations like this to potentially cough up leads and in the past they have coughed them up fortunately in this Big Ten tournament they haven't done so yet but but why does this keep happening to this Ohio State team I think at this point it has to be mental um they asked Holman in the press conference yesterday, kind of that same question. And as they were asking him that I've never actually seen him in a press conference, jump on a reporter like he did there, but he immediately (laughs) cut him off and just said, no, 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 no. Listen, this is big time basketball. These are great teams. 
you know, great teams make big plays. You know, we need to be more prepared for this, but he does not think that there's any kind of trend or mental anything. It's, it's hard to hear that and agree. Like, yeah, he's wrong. He, and he's lying. Not only is he wrong, he's lying. Like you look, but then you look at the stats. It's like Walker is not a turnover machine. He averages like two turnovers to like five assists per game. Liddell's yeah. not a turnover machine. None of these individual players have problems turning the ball over. Um, but it just seems like in the closing minutes, it's between the ears that something just does not work. And I don't think it's any in particular player. Um, I don't think that the the hate and the slander that sometimes Walker gets, you know, on the the darn bird app um, is deserved because I think that. CJ Walker is an awesome player and it's just been him the last two days. I've made a couple of mistakes, but it seems totally mental to me. I can't point to any tangible thing that they're not good at. Yeah. It's, it's really bizarre um, how things break down for Ohio state when they don't go well, because it's not like it's guys who, you know, are kind of the fringe players who cause problems. It's not, a Musa Jallo turning it over on offense. It's EJ Liddell. It's Dwayne Washington Jr. It's CJ Walker. It's the guys who are integral to everything they do on offense. And then on defense, it's not, you know, the random, you know, it's not Justin Arns, who's not really a defensive specialist who creates the problems. It's oftentimes the best defenders as well. So it just seems like something changes when Ohio State is up double digits, and I love them being up double digits because it's a lot harder to lose a game when you're up double digits than it is when you're up by two or three, but it just seems like this is a pattern. I, I, I haven't been able to put my finger on it either. Certainly, Chris Holtman doesn't want to address it publicly, but uh, there is no doubt at this point. The 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 facts are in the data. Um, this keeps happening over and over, and whatever the reason is, I think it has to be mental at this point, whether they're pressing, whether the weight of all of the previous collapses is just getting to them. Um, I don't know. I You hate to see it in the postseason, but fortunately they've been able to hang on for the last three games, um, and hopefully they can shake it out uh, of their systems as they move into the NCAA tournament and don't have to face Big Ten teams for a while, although I would not be surprised if they do end up having to face them by you know the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or something. Um, I, it's, just, it's just really, really bizarre to me. Uh, to see this happen over and over, and you can't just chalk it up to coincidence at this point. No, definitely not. I like Holtman. It just made me chuckle that Holtman kind of jumped the reporter like that and uh, said, "No, no, 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 no. It's not a trend. It's not anything between the ears." And you know, the reporter wanted to get his question out, but Holtman's like, "We're not even going to talk about that." But I think maybe he's in denial, but I think he knows there's something yeah. going on. They just got to shake it. Yeah, I hope he understands that because if he doesn't. That's a problem. Um, real quick, before we move on to the championship game on Sunday, any final thoughts about what we saw from uh, Ohio State and their uh, Mitten State rivals on Saturday? I thought it was great defense the whole, pretty much the whole game, especially yeah. in the first half. Um, Ohio State all year long, just like their last game against Michigan, has been a pretty darn good offensive team. Um, and then on the defensive end, in pretty much every area, they they break down. They you know, in, the, in the Illinois game, you saw it a few times. It's been a poor defensive team all year long. So even though it was a stressful game, they almost collapsed again. Um, I think it's really encouraging to see them play some really good defense on an elite offensive team like Michigan. Um, and hopefully they can stick with that and carry it into tomorrow and then, you know, the rest of the, the NCAA tournament. So, like we said, they are playing again tomorrow, this time in the uh, Big Ten 
men's basketball tournament final. They have the shot to get the program's fifth championship since the Big Ten tournament was instituted back in 1999. They already have the record for the most finals appearances. This will be their ninth. Only the uh, MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage have more Big Ten tournament titles with six. Thad Mata won four in 2007, 2010, 2011, and 2013. Um, so Ohio State will look to get within one of Tom Izzo's squad on Sunday afternoon. That game will be broadcast at 3 p.m. Eastern time on CBS, and the Buckeyes will play either the number three Iowa Hawkeyes or the number two Illinois Fighting Illini. They are getting ready to play as we are recording. Uh, Ohio State has split with both of these teams um, so far this season. They first beat um, Illinois back on January 16th at State Farm Arena in Illinois. They won 87 to 81. However, they lost in the regular season finale 73 to 68 at Value City Arena. Then on February 4th, the Buckeyes traveled to Carver Hawkeye Arena and won 89 to 85. However, in the penultimate game of the regular season, they absolutely got the doors blown off and their butt kicked 73 to 57 at the Schottenstein Center. So Connor, who do you think gives Ohio State the best matchup on Sunday? to potentially win the Big Ten tournament title? I think it's probably Iowa, but that's a really tough question because I think when you match it up position by position, Illinois is probably a better matchup that way, but Illinois is just an absolute freight train right now. I don't think anybody wants to play Illinois right now. Um, I certainly don't want to see Ohio State play in Illinois tomorrow, so I'll be pulling for Iowa tonight too, or I guess right now, to beat Illinois, um, but they're both going to be tough tough matchups ohio state's going to be the underdog um regardless of who it is they both got superstar player of the year candidates um and it, it'll be tough but they have beaten both teams already it's just it's it's a very different point of the season and ohio state's a different team and obviously illinois is a different team now than they were a couple months ago yeah and with io Desunmu um back in the lineup after missing a game or so with a broken nose um, that's a big deal. He had 19 points in the season finale um, uh, to to really kind of lead the way for the Illini. And what's interesting is they both have big men um, that can really dominate. Obviously, the Big Ten Player of the, of the Year, Luca Garza for Iowa, and then Kofi Coburn on on Illinois. But like we said um, in the game against Michigan, the the Buckeyes did a great job defending. Um, Hunter Dickinson, despite the fact that Kyle Young did not play. Um, I have no expectation that he will be back for the championship game on Sunday. But how big of a difference is having him on the floor against one of these two teams uh, potentially going to be on Sunday afternoon? It's going to be a really big deal. You know, they really need him on the floor at all times. They're not going to have him tomorrow. I can't imagine. You know, I agree. I, don't, I can't imagine him playing tomorrow. I don't even know if he'll be able to play um, yeah. in the NCAA tournament. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, getting your, <laughs> your brain knocked around twice in two weeks like that, yeah, he needs to take his time and come back whenever it's okay for him to do so. But they've had more success against Kofi. Even though Kofi's had some good games against them, they've also frustrated him quite a bit. Um, both times they played him. Garza's a little bit more difficult. Um, cause he shoots like better than 40% from three. So one of Zed key or, or Liddell, um, they're going to have to go out to the perimeter and guard him where that's not something that Kofi does. So to defend Kofi, you know, Holtman's just going to throw, you know, 
Holtman will throw five defenders at Kofi. He doesn't care. And then notice he'll make Kofi kick it out. Kind of like Joey talked to you about, um, make Coburn pass it out. And if they hit their shots, um, you know, good for them. Um, but both ways, tough matchup really could use Kyle, but they're not going to have him. No, I can't imagine that they end up having, um, Kyle young back. If he, if he is, um, I mean, I don't want to say that that's probably not a good look for the OSU medical staff because I don't have any access or any knowledge about what has actually been diagnosed. Um, they have just said it's a head injury, which no shit, but I, I don't know what that's all about. It just it just seems like given the the last couple of weeks of him dealing with concussions that we might not see him for the rest of this season. Um, let alone the rest of this Big Ten tournament. But um, that leaves me with one question um, for you, Connor. Ohio State is still the only team in the Big Ten tournament to pull off any kind of upset, at least in terms of seeding. On Friday, they beat the Purdue Boilermakers, who were the number four seed. And then obviously today on Saturday, they beat the top-seeded Michigan Wolverines. Um, If they go on to beat Either Illinois or Iowa, either the two or three seed in the Big Ten tournament, both top 10, top five level teams in the country. Does Ohio State have an outside shot of securing a number one seed in the big dance? Or are they completely cemented, destined to be a number two seed when things get announced on Sunday afternoon? Uh, outside shot, absolutely an outside shot. Like if if the bracket comes out, if they beat illinois or iowa it also will it'll depend who they play tomorrow as well um if they play illinois tomorrow which means that illinois wins another big game today against iowa um then i think that there's a less chance that um ohio state takes the one away from illinois versus if illinois loses today and then ohio state goes on to beat iowa um, you know, that's one less quality win for Illinois that they racked up during this tournament run. And Ohio State would have beaten Purdue, Michigan, Iowa in three days. So keep an eye on that. I think that if Illinois advances to the Big Ten tournament championship game, I don't think it matters. But if Iowa makes the one that makes it, um, they could have a chance to slip in there potentially. Um, and also, I looked it up, just a quick note. If the Buckeyes were to win the Big Ten championship um, tomorrow, they would be just the third team higher than a three seed. Um, to cut down the nets since 2000. Wow. Good stat there. Very good stat. Um, Just, it's been a super entertaining, (laughs) if you don't mind the stress, Big Ten tournament so far um, for Ohio State. So I I would just like to see them compete well. Like you said, it's tough for a a team that does not get the double bye to win um, a postseason tournament, but especially the Big Ten tournament when things are so physical. Uh, I worry about the extra game that they had to deal with um, against Minnesota, expending their energy both mentally and physically. But as long as they play well um, against Illinois or Iowa on Sunday afternoon, I think I will be happy um, about their chances heading in to the NCAA tournament. everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode of land grant holy lands instant recap postseason edition for the ohio state men's basketball team if you're finding this episode on our website landgrantholyland.com please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we are by far bringing you the most unique and varied perspectives in the entire ohio state podcasting universe for better or for worse so don't miss out on that also don't forget to follow land grant holy land on twitter at landgrant33 and you can find me 
at BWW Matt. Connor, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Twitter at Lamon. That's L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor on Twitter. Um, uh, that That's about it. That's, that's the only account that you really should be concerned about because Instagram, uh, we don't do things anymore. It's a pandemic. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to put up there. I totally understand. Uh, anybody, if you're interested in a little more of my insanity following this Ohio State-Michigan game, I did a live blog recap. First time I've done one of those uh, for Land Grant Holy Land where I just put down my thoughts about the individual things that were happening throughout the game with some stats and some videos and um, some stuff like that. So um, find that at LandGrantHolyLand.com. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow after the Big Ten Championship game. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.